This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Thursday afternoon, July 20th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Taylor Swift is come and gone, but now the Beyonce hype cycle is starting because she has a number of concerts in Chicago this weekend. We'll talk about ticket demand for big arena shows in our next segment. But right now, the report on the sale of existing homes is June in June is out today, along with the index of leading indicators. Joining us now on the Villa of Bedford Park Business Line, reminding you to bring your business home is Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services in Pittsburgh. Gus, thank you for joining us today. The uh, almost 19% decline in sales year over year in the month of June when it comes to uh, existing homes, and that is the slowest pace of sales since June of 2009. Of course, back then, we're in the depths of the financial crisis, like Calming out of the uh, crawling out of the Great Recession, and a lot of homeowners were underwater. But now it's an entirely different situation. Yeah, there, there are two issues. The first of which is is housing affordability has declined because of higher mortgage rates and and higher prices. But also inventories are extremely tight right now. We only have about three months of worth of home sales at the current pace. Uh, that is well below the long-run average. So people looking for a home are having difficulty in finding one. And if you're a homeowner and you have a mortgage rate that's 3%, uh, you're not going to sell if, if you need to buy a home and your mortgage rate is going to be 7%. And then when it comes to uh, finding homes that are available, uh, those that usually hit the market the fastest are the ones that are currently under construction. That's, that's right. We have seen... Uh, uh, single-family housing starts, uh, you know, they've declined somewhat, but but demand for, for new homes is quite strong because people can't get those homes that they want in the existing home sales market. Now, let's switch to the, uh, the uh, leading economic indicators, which point to a recession starting soon. However, all of the other indicators suggest that uh, there won't be a recession, or if there is one, it's, it's a long way down the road. What do you make of the, uh, the index of leading economic indicators, what it says, and does that square with the reality? Um, yeah, so we've seen the, the, the leading economic index decline for about 15 months now at this point. Uh, certainly, this would seem to indicate that a recession is coming soon. I think given the current strength of the labor market, the low unemployment rate, we're not likely to get a recession uh, you know, in the near term. But I do think that given the cumulative impact of Federal Reserve rate increases that we've seen, the U.S. economy will probably experience a mild recession in late 2023 or early 2024. But between COVID itself and the economy shutting down, all of the federal stimulus, the sudden rise in interest rates, uh, unprecedented events, all of them, do, are, do these traditional measures of economic activity, do they keep up with what's going on? Um, you know, they're imperfect, I would think, at this point. Uh, I mean, we have a lot of cross uh, 
cutting effects. We have, uh, you know, very high short-term interest rates in particular, uh, yet at the same time we have a strong labor market. Uh, we're seeing some weakness in manufacturing, but we also have very strong growth in consumer spending on services. Um, you know, so a lot of these factors are offsetting, but I do think that by the time we get to the end of the year, uh, those higher interest rates re- really will be taking a toll on the U.S. economy. Gus Fauché, Chief Economist with PNC Financial Services in Pittsburgh. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, why concert tickets remain a top priority for many consumers. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Beyonce's Renaissance World Tour comes to Soldier Field Saturday and Sunday, and it's definitely not a cheap ticket. Let's talk about why, even in an iffy economy, people are willing to shell out big bucks for such concerts who Welcome in Michael Wolf, founder and CEO of Activate Consulting and former president of MTV based in New York. Michael, thank you for joining us today. Uh, almost two months ago, this moment six, <laughs> for, for concert. Six weeks ago, we had Taylor Swift in Chicago for three shows, and and the city was definitely uh, uh, in the grips of Taylor Swift mania. And now Beyonce is here, and we're it's, chances are it's going to be a rerun of uh, what we saw in early June. Uh, people will pay any price and bear any burden to see these shows, even if the tickets are way outside their budget. Yeah, I mean, what's, what, a couple things have, have been driving it, and then I can give you some numbers. But first of all, there's been pent-up demand for live events post-COVID, and people want to get it, get out there. It's a communal experience. People, it's, it's, it's other fans. There's also been a long wait between t- tours, and so people want to see their favorite artists. And then in addition to that, the tours have been able to increase prices. So if I go through our for our activate forecast show that by the end of 2023, there's going to be 31 billion that that's spent by consumers on on live concerts. And that that's going back that we're back above 2019 levels of 29 billion. We forecast that we're going to get to 36 billion in annual revenue by the end of 2027. Taylor Swift and Beyonce, are they on the billionaire list and will they be once their tours are through? Well, but they're, they're, they're both heading there anyways. But if you look at the tours, Taylor Swift, by the time she's done, there's going to be 131 shows, including international. And we forecast it's going to be as much as $1.5 billion in revenue. Um, Beyonce's Renaissance Tour... She's for, she's scheduled to do 57 shows, likely to pass a billion. And let's remember, these shows are in big stadiums. I mean, that's where the growth is, 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 is going to be. It's in um, other acts that are going to go out. Bruce Springsteen, Harry Siles, Harry, Ed Sheeran, Luke Combs. Um, there's going to be, and Drake. I mean, there's going to be, and, and by the way, let's not forget, there are artists that don't have big current hits, like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Coldplay they're out touring. Adele is in the middle of her Vegas resi- residency. People, people are eating it up. They, they, they want to spend more time, e- even though the economy's tough.
There's been a lot of discussion about uh, online disruption of media. It's definitely happening in the, uh, in the in the TV space right now. But the music industry was first out of the chute for uh, digital disruption back in 1999 with Napster and file sharing and MP3s. And it took a long time, but the music biz finally found a sustainable digital model. Um, what is the you know what what's what's kind of the the revenue ratio between uh, music sales and tour? What was it in the album era? What is it today? And does that make uh, touring that much more lucrative? Um, tour, it, it, you must look at it from the perspective of the artist. I mean, artists can make um, a major, major multiple, hundred times what they're making off of off of uh, you know off of an album by going on tour. And 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 at the same time, let's not forget the music labels. They're 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 creating more interest. They're 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 really like cultivating these artists. So if you look at, for example, Universal Music, they're creating their own fan clubs for artists. They're creating merchandise. So I, I think that that the extent to which it goes beyond just listening to recorded music to having a much more immersive experience with an artist, and that's going to keep growing. Michael Wolf, founder and CEO of Activate Consulting and former president of MTV based in New York. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A billion-dollar winning Powerball ticket was sold in California. Now we're waiting to see if the winner will come forward. Let's talk about dealing with financial windfalls with Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview. The website, SenecalCapital.com. Bill, thank you for joining us today. Um, I didn't win the Powerball last night. Uh, or did I? I'm, I'm still I'm still waiting though on the Mega Millions. That's like what 720 million dollars. That drawing is on uh, Saturday. But a lot of people who do hit it big, whether it's uh, 20 million dollars or a billion dollars, a lot of those lottery winners eventually go bankrupt. I know it's it's unbelievable. But at the same time, if you really look into the details, it, it makes total sense because we all have this internal thermostat of where we believe. Um, you know, we should be financially, emotionally, physically. And I think that when you are immersed in this world of mega, mega million dollars, you know, there's a lot of emotional and psychological things that are happening. I mean, managing the assets, you know, using math is probably the easiest thing. You know, maybe you wait six, seven, eight, ten 10 months before you claim the prize. And in the meantime, you're assembling a team of accountants and investment advisors and, you know, accredited investment fiduciaries like ourselves. But I think the hardest part, Rob, is to deal with the loss of privacy, public attention, you know, like the paparazzi surrounding you every time you go out for a hot dog or a hamburger. Uh, you're the target of scams and frauds. Who are my friends? Who are my true friends? You know, loss of motivation. Like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And deep down, there's always this poser syndrome where you know that no matter what, whatever club you go to, no matter what kind of car you drive, no matter what neighborhood you, be, you move into, there's always that belief like, hey, this is the guy that just got lucky. I mean, he didn't really have any skills to earn this kind of money. So I think the psychological and emotional uh, obstacles are, can, can be overwhelming for some people. I mean, obviously, you know, the odds of you winning the Powerball are even lower than getting struck by lightning. And my plan for both uh, is if I, either get, if I either win the Powerball or get struck by lightning is don't tell anybody. We're keeping it a secret. And um, you know what? Yeah. And, and but I, don't, 
I think for a lot of people, though, like, you know, maybe you're not going to win the lottery, but uh, you could find yourself uh, being the beneficiary of some kind of payout, maybe not a billion dollars, but it could be a hundred thousand. And that's uh, equally as exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw it on the trading floor all the time, Rob. Uh, you know, being in the OEX pit at the CBOE, there were some guys, you know, just really, really killed it. It really they had incredible years. But you know what? Once the things started to slow down and the strategies didn't work, they actually found themselves driving cabs, uh, getting drug addiction, and, 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 and you know, potentially in a worst-case scenario, taking their own lives because, you know, we bring our own psychology with us. So whether it's 10000 a 100000 or a few million, you know, I really think that this is, this is a psychological game and of, of war that we really have to play with ourselves. And, and I think that that's where the battle is really fought, Rob. And, and I know sometimes when I find a couple of dollars on the ground when I'm going walking or jogging, I'm like, woohoo, I can get a cup of coffee, score, right? But then some people, you know, it's all relative, right? Is $100,000 a lot if you're unemployed and been unemployed for a long time? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I think it's up to the person to, uh, they're going to have to grow into this. And they need to allow themselves to have some kind of plausible deniability where they can't touch it. They can't give it away, you know, too soon. Um, and don't think that you're going to get a second chance because you think the odds of lightning hitting once is astronomical, lightning striking twice is virtually impossible to, into the same spot. Bill Uliveri, owner of Cynical Capital Management in Glenview, thank you for joining us today. Still ahead on Technology Thursday, a new app that can create brief TV episodes from a single prompt. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply the wbbm noon business hour continues good afternoon i'm rob hart these are the top stories on news radio wbbm former president trump could face new federal charges for trying to hold on to the white house after his 2020 election defeat workers at the el milagro tortilla factory on chicago's southwest side celebrate their right to form a union in technology thursday the creators of the app showrunner ai tout its ability to build a short tv episode through a single word prompt also on the tech beat, pay by Palm Technology will be in place at Whole Foods stores by the end of the year. WBBM Business, the markets are mixed. The Dow is up 263 points. The NASDAQ is down 207. The S&P 500 is down 16. 85 degrees right now in Chicago under partly sunny skies. At 1231, a federal grand jury is deciding whether to indict former President Trump over his efforts to overturn the 2020 election. CBS News correspondent Scott McFarland says one of the charges is likely to be the obstruction of an official proceeding. It's a violation of U.S. code that the Department of Justice has used more than 300 times in prosecuting January 6th riot defendants. They have developed quite a bit of muscle memory 
That official proceeding they're alluding to was the January 6th electoral count here at the Capitol. Other potential charges include witness tampering and conspiracy to defraud the United States. Workers for the El Milagro Food Company and the Little Village neighborhood have won the right to form a union. Laura Garza with Arise Chicago helped the employees in their union effort. She says the agreement sends a clear message. It validates their organizing and it's a clear message from the NLRB to El Milagro, other employers, to workers here today and everywhere. That union busting, intimidating, threatening, and retaliating against workers is illegal. The agreement follows numerous complaints made by workers to the Chicago Office of Labor Standards, the Illinois Department of Labor, and the National Labor Relations Board. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are mixed today. And joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist with Ingalls & Snyder based in New York. Tim, thanks for joining us today. The Dow going in one direction, the NASDAQ the other what's driving this divide well we've had this uh, divide for a a while rob actually you know uh, pretty much all this year the nasdaq which includes uh some the the largest tech companies uh has been extremely strong uh while the s p which is a much broader and diversified index has been okay but uh certainly not as strong as tech uh and i think uh, artificial intelligence developments uh, in that technology are what has been driving those tech stocks. Uh, today, there's some profit taking. We do have uh, the earnings season. It continues and the biggies are uh, bellying up to the bar, as it were. And uh, Netflix did report after the bell yesterday. And at first glance, it looked like things were on the up and up. They were getting more subscribers. It seemed like that uh, password crackdown was working. And even the uh, work stoppage in Hollywood uh, led to, at least uh, as far as their analysts were concerned, uh, uh, seems like uh, there will be greater profitability later. Later in the year because they don't have to produce any shows and yet the stock is down nine percent yeah you know the the earnings uh were actually you know quite good uh for netflix uh revenues maybe not quite so much um but you know i think it's been caught up uh in this profit taking at least today uh with big cap growth uh it's certainly part of that group uh and um you know i think you know, profit-taking is inevitable in this market. We've had a big move higher. Uh, so you're going to have periods, uh, even on good news, uh, where people take some profits, investors take profits, and we're getting that today. And it seems like the theme of earnings season so far, and it's still very early, and that is exceeding expectations. On the other hand, the expectations were very low going into earnings season. So is this simply a function of the numbers being good and uh, there's no argument about them? Or is it just that the bar was set so low uh, it didn't take much to impress? Yeah, you know, uh, earnings estimates uh, by street analysts are are really driven uh, by uh, managements. So managements will talk about uh, how the business is going, and then the analysts set their expectations uh, for for earnings. Managements have been talking down earnings, and of course, that allows them to positively surprise, to deliver earnings better than Wall Street expects. And generally, that helps stocks. Uh, but 
it doesn't always help stocks because invest some investors see through that. And we're seeing that today, I think, in uh, in Tesla and Netflix uh, with strong earnings above lowered expectations. You mentioned earlier that uh, AI has been driving uh, some of the rallies so far in 2023. In what ways do investors like AI? Is it just enough to say that we're, we're, we're thinking about it, we're trying to implement it in our operation, or do they actually want to see some evidence that it's being used and it's working? Well, I think eventually, obviously, everyone wants to see that AI is an actual product, uh, and that it's benefiting the the economy, uh, and we're still in the very early stages of that. There is a long way to go with with AI, uh, but it is a technology that is uh, you know developing very quickly here, uh, and we're going to see some major positive benefits to society from it. There are also going to be a lot of questions uh, and calls for regulation. So. Uh, we're on the early days here of focusing on AI. Uh, it's exciting, uh, but there are certainly issues. Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist with Ingalls & Snyder, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, using AI to create entertainment content. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday. The company Fable Studio has a new app that can create brief episodes of South Park from a single prompt. Let's learn more from Ina Freed, Chief Technology Correspondent for the news site Act based in San Francisco. Ina, thanks for joining us today. And the world of AI is touching everything. And before we talk about uh, what Trey Parker and Matt Stone are doing, uh, your beat is rebranding. Yeah, so for the last six and a half years, I've written a newsletter uh, for Axios Login, which covered the whole world of tech. I'm still covering the whole world of tech, but we're really uh, focusing on this AI revolution because we think it is really changing everything. So we've rebranded the newsletter as Axios AI Plus, and along with my co-author, uh, Ryan Heath, we're, we're really leaning into all these AI and developments and how they're going to change our world in so many ways. Yeah, and there, there's so many questions about uh, the promise, the pitfalls, and of course, uh, how you can stay ahead of it and possibly take advantage of opportunities or profit from them. So I'm looking forward to uh, to reading it. So let's talk about uh, Fable Studio. It has a new app that can create brief episodes of South Park from a single prompt. And what does this mean for the future of entertainment going forward? Yeah, I mean, you talked about the promises and pitfalls, and this story really encapsulates both in a nutshell. Um, so just to be clear, to demo the app, they created these new episodes of South Park. The product that they're selling is actually designed for you to bring your own intellectual property. So maybe you're uh, the people who create The Simpsons or whatever. They're actually not affiliated with South Park at all. They didn't get permission, which I find wild. Um, but what they did do is create these you know, coherent, occasionally witty mini episodes based on something that you just type in, which is an astonishing sign of, of just how far along this AI is. I think a lot of creative people look at it and say, wait a second, uh, it's nowhere near as good, you know, and if we just replace actors and directors and, and such and writers with AI, we're going to get a lot of not very good content, which I think is a very real fear. 
Well, first off, I mean, it seems like with with all of the discussions about AI and the amount of information it can pull from the internet, and uh, and is that this is going to crash on the rocks very soon of copyright law. You're starting to see it. It's kind of surprising that Trey Parker and Matt Stone haven't done anything about this particular application yet. But uh, if you if 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 your AI program has been trained by all the information in the world, it's going to start spitting out stuff that has been copyrighted and legally protected. Well, you know, you would think so. Um, You know, copyright law, though, is very interesting. I mean, trademark and some other things may offer them more protection. I mean, copyright literally only protects something that's been written down. So if it's new, it's not necessarily protected by copyright law. I agree. There's a whole host of, of legal issues, and there may be copyright infringement just on having trained the AI system. And I think that's what you're alluding to. And we're seeing complaints from Sarah Silverman, from Getty, the photo studio, we're seeing it from news publishers, all sorts of people saying, hey, wait a second, you used our copyrighted stuff to train your AI engine. We never gave you permission for that. That's clearly using our stuff. And, and those cases are making their way into the courts right now. Now, this this the Fable Studio application, um, obviously, you know, what what's the next step of the AI technology in this particular application in creating small pieces of entertainment above and beyond a novelty because it this this just reminds me of going to the pizza place when i was a kid for at a birthday party and you can have a tape where they have you know hey rob it's your birthday um what's what's the use of above and beyond a novelty yeah well i wouldn't underestimate the value of of fans of of shows whether it's star trek or you know fans of these big universes the value in being able to write your own story and be part of the story. I think there is stuff there, but there is a beyond. And indeed, the people that created this app really are less interested in generating short content than they are in creating AI worlds where instead of just having a character that you chat with in a text chat bot, these AI characters sort of live in their own little world and interact with each other. So they have an idea for a much more in-depth simulation. So this is not necessarily something that can replace entertainment. It could be something that could compete with it uh, because we do live in this abundance of content and uh, there are so many other things just competing for that limited, you know, that limited number of hours of, of time and attention that we all have in a week. And this is just one more thing that could, that could push into a space that was occupied by TV shows or video games or movies or books. Definitely. And I think AI will find a place. It may not be as expansive as people think. But I think AI will find a place in there in the entertainment world specifically. Ina Freed, chief technology correspondent for the news site Axios, based in San Francisco. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday and still to come, paying for groceries using your palm. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Amazon is bringing its pay-by-palm system to its whole food stores by the end of the year. We're joined by R.J. Hadavi, head of the analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI in Chicago. R.J., thank you for joining us today. Tell us how this will work. 
Uh, hey, Rob. Uh, it's interesting technology. The way it's going to work is if you've authorized Amazon uh, and enabled the Amazon One feature, which is the pay by palm, uh, you scan your palm as you go into the store, and then it works a little bit with the uh, just walk out technology where uh, computer vision, it shows what you pull off the, uh, the shelves, and then you can easily check out uh, in hopefully a frictionless uh, process at the, uh, after, the, uh, after you're done shopping. And this is all about, uh, is this a technology that you can see both at uh, Whole Foods and in Amazon Fresh locations, whether it's, uh, we have one in our building, there's one in uh, Ogilvy Transportation Center downtown. Uh, will that eventually, that technology show up in those locations? Yeah, I think so. That's the plan is, I think, to roll out the Amazon One pay-by-pound technology to all Whole Foods locations by the end of the year. Uh, but to your point, we're already seeing in a number of other locations out there, um, whether it be Panera, whether it be you know, certain baseball stadiums already as well. So we're seeing the technology already being integrated in a number of ways. And I expect to see you know other partnerships out of this as well. And then is kind of the through line of all of our discussions, RJ, about using either AI in fast food restaurants or tech in the restaurant space is all devoted to speeding people through faster, a faster checkout experience, a faster pay experience, a frictionless pay experience. Is this the ultimate expression of that? I think it's trying to get there. I think that's the end goal. And I think what they realize is even with the Just Walk Out technology where you have to scan your app um, and then check things off the shelf, there's still some friction points, whether it be um, your, your app being ready at the time, maybe you've got your hands full. Uh, obviously, there's some age restriction purchases when you get to the end uh, for things like alcohol and uh, other products. And so that was something that they, they were looking to overcome as well. As this. So I think this is the end goal is to reduce friction, uh, get more people through uh, the, uh, the line or through the store quicker um, and ultimately uh, you know, promote a better customer experience. At the same time, though, you need that Amazon ecosystem to make this work. Uh, so it seems like it would be there, there are a few more barriers before you could see this at other grocery stores or different types of stores in the Chicago area. It's true, and obviously there's a lot of uh, chains that would compete with Amazon on that front, but we've seen more and more acceptance of um, you know, kind of more general merchandise uh, retailers that are starting to embrace this, and then you're starting to see it uh, at Hudson News at, at, at the airport and things like that. Um, I mean, the Amazon ecosystem is pretty wide. I mean, uh, there's over 200 uh, million prime customers in the U.S. today, at least that's the estimate. Uh, so it's a pretty wide ecosystem to begin with, and um, you know, a lot of retailers have decided just easier to partner with um, you know, Amazon in a lot of cases and this would be one way to do it, uh, as opposed to competing with them directly. R.J. Hadavi, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.